0: so i you get the you get the pleasure of uh of me being full tilt sick so that's awesome i tried to go uh do the sauna cure like i don't have covid or anything but i got some kind of sinus whatever uh so i went to the sauna today to try to sweat it out didn't really do much except bring all my congestion to the front so that'll be fun. Craig Lasore, where are you coming
1: from? Well, I'm coming from my garage in Lafayette, Louisiana, Jed.
0: <laughs> yeah, did the garage. Yeah, I did, actually. She huh. uh, she didn't really ask before. Like, we've been doing a uh, like a mid-skin fade, and when I sat down, she was like, all right, so no hair on the sides at all, and just completely skinned it so I guess that's what I'm rocking, you know?
1: Well it would be a good time for a nineties like screen core video right now. So I think that um you know it'd be it'd it'd be good. Anyway, yeah (laughs) Louisiana and hold on Jed before we get too far into this just because Mm -hmm. um I avoid giving your generation compliments uh I need to say since you asked me to be on this I actually listened to a few of your podcasts uh and You do a really good job. Uh, And I just wanted to say that to you. And the other part is, now that I know that your mother and your congregation listen to this, uh, I know why it took you so long to have me on. Um, So, like, I appreciate that. Uh, And (laughs) who's who's the guy you had on the other day? Was it Josh or a couple weeks ago? Is his name Josh? You talked about Revelations.
0: Uh, Josh Patterson. Yeah
1: fascinating uh yeah i found i found i found his take on things fascinating and i uh, appreciate his progressive view
0: well yeah i mean he went straight from being a pastor for seven years to working at a brewery so he's got a very interesting perspective so i definitely trust his uh his point of view on some stuff it is it is a very unique um it's a unique point of view and he knows his shit. That's like, that's the, the main thing is that he's got like progressive ideas, but he can back it up with all the scholarly things that people need to lend credibility to whatever you're saying. You know what I mean?
1: No, absolutely. Uh, and he said it in language. I think it's gonna be hard. To anyway, so I just thought it was fascinating. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to say that.
0: Oh yeah. It's much appreciated, man. So Craig is actually my former employer, okay? So maybe that was why also it might have been a little weird to have you on while we were still in the – I don't care. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Uh, but I couldn't really let loose and grill you. No. no. Um,
1: uh,
0: when, dude, I met you briefly –
1: in like 2017
0: yes very briefly and uh I actually asked you to sponsor me and then you disappeared and then Mm -hmm. you re-entered my life as as my new boss so that was an interesting kind of full circle and then I kind of um heard the deal um Yeah, I don't know. Where do you want to start with your uh, because I actually have never actually heard your story. I've only heard really, I think, like you getting sober and like working at Hazelden and like brief Marine stories. But I don't even really know like your family history or any of all that stuff. So it'll be new to me.
1: Uh, I mean, first of all, before we kind of go down this road, I mean, I, I just kind of want to say a couple things is that one is, um, you know, I think that those of us in recovery, we have the tendency to like we can laugh about it and we're tongue in cheek about it. Um, you know, but the reality is this country has passed a really grim milestone uh, before the year even ended, which is over 100,000 overdose deaths um and uh that doesn't include the accidents and the exasperated health conditions that lead to death and the suicides that are from uh from you know chemical dependency substance use whatever you want to call it uh so you know i just need to say like you know because i like because i think that um you know we can be a little funny about it and i just want to say that there i i'm definitely uh serious uh you know like i mean this is deadly serious and I think the other is, uh, I just, ha- I just got to say a little disclaimer. It's funny you brought up when I disappeared. Um, you know, I think that, you know, I've been sober, um, you know, 23 years and, uh, uh, I don't need drugs or alcohol to explode my life. Right. <laughs> like, uh, like, uh, you know, I've had some of those years where I've been, um, you know, where I've been really on and in recovery and active and, um, uh, honest and everything else. And then I've had, you know, I've had some periods in recovery where I've been far from perfect where I've hurt people. Uh, and, um, you know, so I, I just need to, like, I I need to say that because time does not equal well. Right. And, um, you know, I, I am the perfect example of that. And, um, you know, I haven't thought it necessary to take a drink or a drug, but, uh, it's, you know, I'm,
0: It's almost the opposite where it's like there's an inflection point where you start to get sicker like the longer you've been. It's a weird if you don't like and that's part of what we bond over is kind of um, there are certain recovery types and certain long term recovery types that you find in recovery rooms that have kind of morphed into these weird People that you're only good I guess they're just like zealots, like you'll find extreme people in any little group, right? And anytime. But I guess it's special with alcoholics and addicts because we're batshit as a as a baseline, we're insane. And so then it's like we get clean and sober, and we're we're supposedly given back our sanity but you're right you know the longer you go it's it's gonna it's gonna weasel its way into something or some things in your life that you're just gonna have to keep addressing it's kind of like a whack-a-mole game
1: yeah like no matter where i go there i am right i mean you know it's just uh uh you know and it's like I, you know i sometimes i you know i've failed to heed those lessons and to be vigilant and uh not only have I paid a very dear price, but the people around me have paid a very dear price as well. So, um, I, you know, I just, I, I just like to kind of say that because, you know, I think there's, you know, I don't know. Because uh, I think that people can just tell you how great it is. And, uh, you know, my life is certainly amazing. But, um, uh, you know, I'm not, I am a highly imperfect individual. So, yes, um,
0: of yeah, that, so. we can, we can both agree. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you started using back in the 1850s, right? Well, I mean, the, the 1980s.
1: Uh, yeah. I, I don't, um, you know, I was, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I, I um, like, I don't necessarily remember, like, my first drink, but I definitely remember the first time I got drunk. And, like, my mom was out of town on business. I grew up in inner city Chicago. And... Um, my mom was out of town on business, and I was home with my stepdad. And he went to a party that was on a, that was on a boat, like down at the harbor. Um, you know, I, I don't know that it was. I mean, the guy who owned it probably would have called it a yacht. Uh, I'll call it a boat. But um, you know, it was a normal adult party. There wasn't anything weird going on. But there were a couple of um, there were a couple of teenagers that were there. I and mean, I think I was in like seventh grade. And uh, they thought it would be funny to give me a rum and coke, right? And um, like, I had one and uh and then i don't know i had a i had a bunch more and in the course of the evening i hit on a woman 35 and i was you know like i was a geeky kid like dungeons and dragons and all that kind of stuff and uh, you know in the course of that evening i hit on a woman 35 years older than me uh my stepdad beat me with a phone and i ran away down the fire escape um and i passed out in my friend's front yard in the bushes and you know it's like when i woke up the next day like you know, I made a promise to myself that I'm going to do that every opportunity I get. And, um, you know, it's like that scene from uh, the beginning of Goodfellas, right? They're driving in the, driving the Cadillac in the middle of the night. And you hear the thumping in the back, right? And um, they all get out and they go back and Dennis Ferrer or whatever his name's in the back and he's half dead. And, you know, Joe Pesci stabs him with a chef's knife and De Niro shoots him with his little 38. And then this really great kind of happy music comes on it says all my life I wanted to be a gangster, right? So you have this really gruesome kind of scene, but this happy overlay. And that's really, you know, I mean, that's how I've always looked, you know, when I was when I was young, it's always how I looked at drugs and alcohol. Um, you know, I was really attracted to it. Um, and uh, I'm not sure why, um, but, uh, well, no, you know, I do know. I, I think, you know, the, um, the Scandinavians like to talk about addiction as, uh, and, and recovery as dis- disconnection and connection. And, um, you know, it's like, I'm always looking for a connection ultimately connected to something that disconnected me. Right. So, um, you know, like, uh, and, you know, it worked for me for a little while. I was, um, uh, uh, like I was, uh, I, you know, went to Catholic school. Um, and then I was in the Catholic seminary for six years, four years, high school, two years college. And, um,
0: What, what does that, what does that consist of? What is, <sighs> like, is, when you say Catholic Sem- seminary, does that mean it is, like, college that just has a Catholic overlay, or this is for the priesthood?
1: Yeah, so, look, in, in order to be a priest, there are a number of ways that you can become a Catholic priest, or a number of, like, avenues. I mean, they all end up at the same place, but um, there's a number of avenues. Chicago is one of the old dioceses, so they still had high school seminaries, so they kind of started recruiting you in grade school. Um, and you get, you know, you get a good education at a fair, you know, good private education at a fairly inexpensive price. And, um, you know, all boys and uh, heavy on the theology, light on the math, as I like to say. So, like, I, you know, I can't do algebra, but I used to be able to at least write in Latin. Um, algebra right. probably would have done me more good.
0: Right. Well, what what were your... At any point, would you have said this is what's always interesting to me about Catholics and especially people in Louisiana that are raised in it? At were you a true believer at any point?
1: Uh, no, uh, I'm, I'm first of all, I'm the only Catholic in my family. Um, because my my, fam- my mother, and father are both from Texas, and one's a you know, southern Methodist and one's a southern Baptist, but uh because i was being raised in chicago like go to catholic school so you you know uh you know i was confirmed i was like all right whatever i'm in and really if i'm honest with myself it was the path of easiest of uh, like it was the path of least resistance really is what it was um and uh i think that um you know in a lot of ways you're catered to especially in college um and it's just easy like like it was you know i don't know like it, it was it was comfortable uh and um you know, high school is a, uh, um, you know, high school. I, I Like, I, like I had this weird double life, right? Like, I was literally a boy scout in the Catholic seminary, and uh, and then, you know, by night, so to speak, right? Like, I had this whole other life. Um, and you know, I'm really good at the double life. Like, I don't know about you, like I think most of us kind of get good at that, but I certainly was really good at it. Um, and by the time I got to the college seminary, like I was uh, so I mean. So you go from four years high school to four years college, and then they, then you go to like like three or four years of like this postgraduate, which is really kind of where the priesthood is kind of developed. But in the old system, they kind of bring you along. Um, uh, so I kind of you know I made it to that. And what's fascinating about that calling process, so to speak, is my high school class started with 100 and I 106. I graduated with 52. There was another high school like my, my our brother's school, so to speak, on the south side. We were on the north side of Chicago. And they combine in, in college. And so from that, from my high school class and their high school class, 20, 26 of us went to the college seminary. Of those twenty-six, only two became priests. So if you think about like the attrition rate, right? Yeah, as as you go along, but right? I mean, it's not those aren't that, those aren't that great of numbers, right? Um and, you know, like uh, in college, like, you know, I was just unsupervised and it just came undone. Um, we had an order of nuns that cooked for us. And so, <laughs> like, all my needs were taken care of. And, uh, and you know, and I discovered, you know, I mean, I've been smoking a lot of weed and drinking a lot. But I just I also discovered cocaine. And, um, you know, like, I love or loved uh, cocaine. I mean, well, you know, well, second
0: who I- Who introduced you to cocaine? Because I remember uh-huh. my my cocaine first experience extremely well
1: alfonso he was this a uh, he was a puerto rican kid that was a year behind me and i we would actually gone to the same high school as well and he was a golden gloves boxer and uh and and like i mean he was like he was like the real deal and uh you know he was like hey like 20 bucks you want this you want to try i'm like yeah i'll try it and uh me and my roommate tony tony who, who actually committed suicide uh Last year, uh, he, um, him and I, uh, we, had, we had this big glass table in our in our dorm room, and we did cocaine. And I was just like, "Okay,
0: yeah, this is it.
1: This is it. Like, I, I, I love this." And, um, you know, uh,
0: I was warned too. I, I mean, I was, I was literally sat down, like, like looked face to face, man to man, and it was like, now Jed, like, this is this is level two. Like what you're about to do is this isn't, this isn't mushrooms. And I'm like, yeah, 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 sure. Okay. Whatever. Like I get it. Let's do this. I didn't get
1: it. Yeah. And you know, it's like, I didn't know, you know, from, you know, I didn't know at some point I'd be, you know, stealing from my mother or living on the streets or, you know, like, I didn't know, like, I didn't know any of that stuff was going to happen. I was just like, okay. And, um, By my second year of college, uh, my senior, what was his last name? Um, Was it McLaughlin? Yeah, I think it was McLaughlin. He was this little Irish guy, Irish priest with a brogue. He was the dean there, and he sat across from me, and I sat across from him at at his office. And he's like, "This isn't working," and I'm like, "No, it's not." And um, so I left, and uh, I kind of bounced around, and I, my mom eventually kicked me out of her house because you know I was I wasn't doing anything, and um, uh, you know at some point. Um, I met my first wife and uh, I decided, I was like, you know, I need to straighten out. So I was like, I'll join the United States Marine Corps. And I signed up and shipped in eight days. Most people take months to prepare to go into that process. And in true alcoholic fashion, I did it in eight days. And um, you know, uh, I was great in the Marine Corps as long as I was deployed. Um, But um, you know, it's just like the, you know,
0: what was so what year was that
1: 1989
0: what was the marine
1: corps like in
0: 89
1: uh, i don't think the marine cars changed very much in the last 100 years uh no i mean it was uh look i you know i come from a like a long line of military people so i mean it was kind of natural and i've always been fascinated with it um it was but it was definitely a shock i mean i detoxed in boot camp, and. Um, You know alcohol cocaine or i don't know whatever else nicotine you know i mean everything and uh it was uh uh i mean look once i once i got up to physical standards because it took because i've been drinking and partying for two years like i wasn't prepared to go into an elite fighting force um yeah exactly and you know what i mean like i'm just like i'm just trying to catch like i'm just trying to stay up you know like and um like once i caught up physically like it was, you know, I enjoyed it and it was fun, I guess. Um, you know, I, uh, uh, you know, no sooner had I joined than it was like, hey, we're going to war. And I was like, oh, this is serious. Um, so, uh, you know, like I, I have a lot of regrets around the Marine Corps in that, um, you know, I, they, they genuinely tried to help me. I think a lot of people talk, you know, talk a lot of shit about the military sometimes. Like I always had really good officers, and I had, and they actually genuinely tried to help me with my with my alcoholism, and um, uh, they sent me to treatment for the first time, and I went to my first AA meeting. I was stationed on Kaneohe Bay, Hawaii, and I went to my first AA meeting uh, on a uh, on a beach in Hawaii. And um,
0: so, what you were drinking and getting busted in in uh, at your duty station or whatever.
1: Yeah, like whenever you have like an alcohol related incident, or you pop on a piss test, or you know, like whatever, right? Uh, is at some point that you know they they show up one day and they're like, they, they you have these things called rifle cards where like when you when you take your weapon out of the armory, they take your rifle card and they said, don't put on a uniform for two weeks. You're going to outpatient treatment. and I was like, okay.
0: Oh, damn. And one of the,
1: <laughs> and uh, I had this gunnery sergeant. I remember him. He's like tan and bald, and uh, he just had this big smile. And you know, you know how you know you're an alcoholic is when really happy, healthy people kind of turn you off, right? Like, I just, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, uh, they're like, you know, they're like kryptonite to me. Um, and he's like, hey, well, so we're going to get this the easy way or the hard way. And I'm like, oh, Johnny, the easy way, I'll do it. And, you know, I was just never able to get it together. And uh, I gotten married. And when, when I was getting out of the Marine Corps, my ex-wife, uh, I called her. I was like, hey, I'm on the way to Buffalo. I'm just going to go straight to Buffalo to you. And she's like, no, you're not. She's like, I'm leaving you. And I was like, what? You know, like I was such a great catch. And, you know, probably one of the more brilliant lines that I've ever had. I've, I've had two women say things to me that have always stuck with me. One is the thing she's about to say, which is, I'm sick of hearing. And I'm sorry. Mm. And the other is, is just because I tell you something doesn't mean I want you to fix it. Uh, because it's about two brilliant things that have been told. And, um, you know, uh, so like I ended up like just going home and getting divorced and, um you know, I went back to Chicago, and uh, it didn't take long for me to, you know, that was, what, 1993? And, you know, the next five years were, I mean, like, I don't even know, like, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, I was, um, we used to run a bar that we lived above, me and my friends. And, like, we just had access to alcohol and cash and uh, more than any, you know, 20-something should have access to. And like, I was just, you know, I was just, a, it was just I was just a kid, and a, you know, you know, in the candy store, Yeah. And, uh, I was, uh, I was, I had this girlfriend who I was, uh, became engaged to her name was Bonnie and Bonnie was just like a straight citizen. She was a CPA Are your parents running around.
0: Yeah, you know? man. I just got a new, and I'm like, <laughs> I just got a new computer desk and all my wires are exposed and I just noticed my mouse like getting pulled and yeah, she's trying to... <laughs> She's trying to climb the wiring harness in the back. Keep going. Good
1: for her. Uh, you know, and, and Bonnie was like a straight citizen. She was a CPA. She got up. She worked a corporate job. Um, and uh, I mean, she's ranked, but she didn't do any of the other stuff. And, um, you know, I'm sitting there trying to be engaged to this woman. And uh, I figured, you know, I need to go to culinary school because bartending is just, you know, um.
0: That is the alcoholic profession of choice.
1: Absolutely. And the only problem is I didn't have access to the cash register anymore, whereas at least as a bartender, you know what I mean? Now, like I'm signing my paycheck over to my drug dealer, right? Um, And, uh, you know, uh, and she tried to make it work. um, You know, and and we were planning on getting married. Like the whole thing is set up. uh, All these deposits are paid. um, Invitations are out. And... Uh, I was working, um, you know, uh, I was working in, you know, in the, in kitchens. I was working with some of, you know, again, great opportunities that I threw away. You know, I've worked with, I've I've worked with some of the greatest chefs in the, in in the country. And, um, uh, and, you know, like I couldn't, you know, um, if they saw me today, they'd probably walk the other way, um, to be honest with you. (laughs) So, um, like uh, that, that level of bridge burning. I mean, just like that level of just like, like you're just like, you, you, like you're good at getting the job, you're bad at keeping it. You're good at getting the job, yes, you're bad at God. keeping it. At. You know what I mean? Yeah, That's, it's just like
0: yeah. yes, it's a, it's it's not a, it's it's the opposite of a non-starter. It's like I so like that is that is a unique skill to be able to it plug you into any profession, to any situation, to any social group. You will thrive. And it, I don't know. I don't know what it is. If it's like boredom, or if it's like there's just no fo- or it's like it. It seems like a better idea in your head, like a grass is greener thing, and then you get there and you're like, this isn't what I thought it was. I'm done. I don't know. Yeah. Just that discontentedness.
1: And uh, the weekend before we're supposed to get married. So I used to work for this chef named, her name was Debbie Shark. She was a McCartney's personal chef for a long time. And she had a couple of restaurants in Chicago and we would cook for bands when they came in to Chicago so that the chefs that traveled with them could take a break. Um, so I was cooking for Van Halen that weekend and not the good Van Halen, the Van Halen was the third singer from Scream, Right. Um, and uh, so I'm cooking for Van Halen and i think it's like a friday night or a thursday night or something and you know like i get paid you know i remember buying an eight ball and then just disappearing for the weekend
0: like you know like like i I
1: would do i would just disappear and bonnie would just be like i don't know you know before cell phones and text messages uh like you could just literally no one could find you right and um so finally bonnie tracked you know called around all my friends and found me she's like hey let's meet let's have a chat i was like okay and um you know, I met her and we were walking. She says, "Look, um, you know, I like we we can't um, like we can't get married." You know, what? for some reason, I think it was like three days before we we're to get married. I don't know. That's what I feel like because literally three days later, my whole family arrives for this wedding. Right? Oh and, no! Um, oh yeah, dude. No, 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 yeah, yeah. And she and, and I'm like, "What?" Like, you know. And I, you know, I. I was, uh, like, I remember disappearing, and I woke up uh, on this cocktail waitress's couch. You know, she took pity on me and let me sleep there, and I called my stepdad, and he's like, look, if you want to get well, we got a bed waiting for you, Um, you know, at a place called Hazelden, and I was like, "Uh, you know, like, I'm I'm about to be homeless again.
0: What was stepdad's? Did he, like, I mean, the way you word that sounds like stepdad knows what's up as far as addiction goes.
1: He knows, He definitely knows enough. I mean, he saved my life. Like, like okay. cause I, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, like, um, yeah, I mean, like, I called him and, he, and my mom, you know, like, you know, probably the worst thing I've done is rob my mom of emotional security. Like, it's just like, you know, they're always waiting for you to die or go to prison. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like stealing from it and just like constantly being on edge. And my stepfather was, uh, was a, uh, he's an amazing man. He's a doctor and, you know, he's just a good guy and um i was like you know and i called him and he's like look we got a bed for you so you know be at the house tonight at seven they need to do a phone assessment and i'm like oh okay now you know now during this whole time like for like the previous six months my mom and bonnie are trying to get me sober so like i'm going to a psychiatrist and i'm going to a therapist one right after another every week uh and um you know like i'm going to meetings but like i'm not talking to anybody um i would you know i would go to meetings and use and come back i mean i was that was that guy right i mean you know i've been yeah. in and out of the rooms for a while without ever making a, a decision or a commitment and um you know uh uh so like i you know and i've been to outpatient before um and uh you know it's funny so i mean i have kind of a funny side note you said funny stories so i didn't have a car right like i just never could i could never get i got my driver's license at 18 and after that, I could never get it together to get another driver's license. <laughs> like, yeah. But so like, I had this like expired driver's license. So I'm like, I, I would ride a bike around Chicago. So I had this bike, right? And my stepdad had bought me this bike, like, I don't know, like six or seven months before. And I ride it. I would go every week. I'd go see the psychiatrist. He'd check on me, check on my meds. And then I'd go see this therapist. And they're always like, this is this is my sobriety team. Like, they're working hard. And I left my bike up outside. And in Chicago, you've got like street signs. And... You know, I put my like, um, I lock my bike to it, and what the thieves do is they unscrew the the signs, pick the pole up, and then take your bike. Right, so I came out, my bike was gone. Right, so I came home, and Bonnie was like, she's like, where were you? And I was like, my bike got stolen. She's like, whatever, you sold it for crack. And uh, I was like, no, I didn't. And um, for, for, for the first 20 years of my sobriety, I would send her an email on my sober day because ultimately it was supposed to be our wedding day, which we'll get to here in a second. And I said, hey, thank you. I know this wasn't easy. I appreciate it. I just want you to know I'm sober uh, and I'm trying to do better in the world, et cetera. And every fucking year, uh, she would ask me, did you really get that bike stolen or did you sell it? And I'm just like, oh, like how long do I have to? Yes. Do that? I mean, but hey, my my dishonesty right leads to that whole thing.
0: That was my most my most horrific incident of when I got beat up and maced by a crackhead and got all I got robbed. This this whole ordeal to this day, nobody believes that that happened. Nobody <laughs> believed. and it was awful. That was that was coming home, miss, because it's because because of course I would have made that shit up, but I didn't, I swear.
1: Yeah. And uh, you know, like, so like, you know, basically my options are uh, everybody has turned, you know, everybody healthy is, even the unhealthy people have turned their back on me. And you know, it's like, and and it's not that I'm like, at no point in time was I going, wow, I really want to get well, but like, you know, like the house, like, cause when Bonnie went away, the house went away, the financial stability went away the car went away in fact she took my dog away i had this i had this yeah. rottweiler named magnum and um and i remember i'm like well i was packing my backpack like to get out of the house after she called it off and uh and and i put magnum on a leash and i was gonna go sleep in lincoln park with fucking him and she just kind of came up and i just i just never forget how much courage as much it took i mean i'm a big guy and i'd imagine when i'm you know when i'm angry i can i can be a little intimidating. And she came up and took this Ruttweiler away from me. And she said, Look, you can't even take care of yourself. Um, and I eventually got him back after I was a year sober. But, um, you know, it's just like, uh, I don't, you know, that was just a really big moment. And it really just resonated with me. Um, so when I showed up at my parents' house, like I walk in and there's like wedding presents looking everywhere. Oh. Like, like, <laughs> like, my, my, like my cousins are in town, they've got tickets to the Cubs game. And you know, and it's it's this really surreal experience because I'm I'm getting ready to fly out on a Friday and or no like a Saturday I don't know what day flew up, but but we had, had this um this big dinner paid for 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 the for the rehearsal dinner which is at a steakhouse so my side of the family all went to the steak dinner and it was like this Woody Allen movie this is this is very this is very this is what my mom is like it's like we're gonna sit around like Craig's doing the treatment and I'm looking at my cousins who I'm done a lot of interesting you know uh I've, I've done like you know substances with before and uh right um you know and it's like i'm going to treatment the next day and they're all just sitting there looking at me and i'm just like oh it's like a woody allen movie right it's a little sick it's a little funny but you just want it to be over with and yeah. uh yeah yeah you know, you know it's, it's embarrassing and the next day like my parents i remember they they get me a plane ticket to minnesota and they and, and they drive me out to um uh, I'm not even flying out of O'Hara. I'm flying out of Midway, which is the second class airport in Chicago. So I'm a little offended by this whole thing. And obviously pre 9-11, like, you know, you, your parents can go all the way up to the gate with you. And I remember, you know, I've been flying since I was a kid. My parents and, you know, my, my mom and dad were divorced early and I was flying on planes when I was a little kid. And no matter how old I was, my mom always waited at the gate. And I remember uh, like looking out of the, looking at, towards in, in the plane, looking at the airport then they're not there and like they just like walked away i don't know like that just hit me hard and you know and i think you know i, I look i've got lots of stories about consequences but th- at the end of the day like i was just empty like i was a shell and like, i had nothing like i had everything i owned was, was in a backpack that was on that plane with me and um you know like i i don't like i just don't think people understand the darkness and you know that just kind of settles down around it and I'm not, and, and trust me, I'm not, it's nobody's fault but my own. Um, and, but nonetheless, it's just like, you know, cause for me it was always like disappointing people, disappointing. Here I am again. Like I got to go back, you know, mom, you know, I need and da, da, da. Uh And, um, you know, uh, and I just remember first of like a sense of Minnesota and I was just like, Ugh, who, who goes to Minnesota? Right. And <laughs> you know, for me, I, for, for me, the, I, I mean, you know, the, the big part of the story is, is that, look, I qualify, uh, it's the getting sober part. I think that's the fascinating story. Um, cause to me that's the journey. Like anybody can be a fucking scum, scumbag uh, drug addict. Like I was, um, uh, not everybody, you know, gets sober, unfortunately. Um, yeah. I wish they did, but, um, you know, the, uh, and, you know, this is my first time at like a normal kind of like treatment center and, um, uh, I remember I got picked up. I got picked up with this guy who I stayed kind of, we kind of stayed in Minnesota after we got sober for a long time. And he eventually went back out. I don't know what happened. His name was Chug. That was his, his nickname was Chug, right? And Chug and I get, they they, they would meet you at, bet, at uh, Baggage Carousel 13. Uh, and, um, you know, somehow they knew who you were. Uh, I guess it's pretty obvious when you're going to treatment, right? I don't, like, I don't know. It's and, very, uh, it's very obvious. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're, we're on the way up. We're on the way up to just like this hour drive, you know, north. And um, you know, the driver's like, "Look, if you want to stop at a bar, you can stop at a bar for one more." And I was just like, "No, I'm good." Oh, you know what? The plane ride. I remember on the plane flying there. It was June. It was June twentieth. It was supposed to be my wedding day, right? And I'm flying, and all these kids are going to summer camp in Minnesota. And I remember like, <laughs> sitting on the plane. I'm like detoxing, and there's like like ten year olds like everywhere. And there's like this gay publishing executive sitting next to me, and he's just like he, he just starts putting vodka back, and he looks at me, and he's like, he goes, "Now I know, now I know, I um, now I know why animals eat their young." And he's just like he's just drinking vodka. <laughs> like, yeah. So, you know, it, so like for me, like I don't know, like I think, the, um, you know, like I'm a, uh, like I, you know, I, I've done everything that we do to stay alive and the and to stay high, and um, you know. I think that uh lie, cheat, steal, I mean, just the whole nine yards. I'm, you know, um and I don't think it behooves me to go into like all the details of that. Um, except to say I wasn't raised that way. You know what I mean? I wasn't raised by criminals, I wasn't raised by wolves. Uh and um, you know, and, and that was when I came to, I was very embarrassed by that, you know, and I like to pretend that that wasn't me, but it is me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um you know, like, I, like I, but uh, like there is a version of me that did those things. And, um, and I'm, and I'm really, really grateful. And I'm really lucky that I'm not in prison or dead. Um, because both either one of those things could have happened on any, on any given day. Uh, so like, you know, treatment, like all I wanted was my stuff back. What, well, right. Like I wanted her back and I wanted the stuff back. So that was really the only reason I was there. And I always, you know, for me, like, it doesn't matter why you go or why you start, because it's mo- like, I don't know anybody who's getting sober, who's just like, you know, I really just want to, you know, yeah, those I'm, unicorns.
0: I'm, I'm over that, uh, that line of like, well, it's not going to work because I don't want it. It's like, dude, nobody wants it. <laughs> like, really? You, you, nobody, I mean, really, at first you just want distance between you and your consequences like you just want to chill and maybe you know if nothing else like you'll have a really good relapse in 30 days you know what i'm saying like nobody you know at least tolerance break but yes that's a complete bullshit rationalization that my my good buddy just used on me recently it's not gonna work because i don't want it like dude shut up like it's also not gonna work if you keep shooting dope so there's that yeah.
1: you know like like i may not want to exercise but if i exercise i'm gonna get some benefit i'm gonna get some benefit from it right i mean it's yes. like right. but but the way i the way i like to liken it is, is that i hesitantly backed into heaven because like i kept trying to see how long i could tolerate the flames of hell you know what i mean uh, so it's yeah, just like, that's it good. like you know it's just like i was just kind of like easy you know, like, and you know like treatment was you know hayland was a fascinating place so i ended up working there years later and um uh i don't know like it felt it's magical to me because it's where i got you know it's ultimately where i got sober i've been having work there once you kind of get behind the curtain at oz you realize it's like any other workplace but um the uh uh the, the uh you know at the end of the day like so i remember um i mean i my, my counselor's name he's this guy raymond rickle and i love raymond and raymond is this ex-franciscan priest and he is um uh, gay as the day is long, and uh, like you know, there I am in the 90s. I've got everything pierced, you know, it's 98. I've got everything pierced. I'm wearing like you know, the tattoos with my cut off shirt, you know, slouched in his office, and he's got these pink streaks in his hair and like this cross hoop earring. In. And um, and it, you know, and I was always just trying to get a reaction out of him. And he asked me one day, he's like, Craig, what are you in awe of? And I said, You know, Raymond, I'm in awe of big breaths and big explosions, and uh. You know, uh, which was which is sad because at the age of 28, 29, that, that's what, that is exactly what I was in awe of. And, you know, today I can tell you that I'm in awe of, uh, you know, I'm in awe of my son when he learns a word or he's just smiling or I'm in awe of people who get sober. Um, but, like, I was incapable of those things then, right? Like, I was a right. shout, you know? Um, and the great thing about Hazelden is every night, 7 o'clock, speaker. And, and they've got it down to a science. You're a half-hour speaker. That's it. Because your attention span when you're in treatment is, you know, half, half an hour.
0: hour. Yeah.
1: Right. So um, so uh, and every night, these, these people come down, and, and, and somewhere along the line, because um, I've been in and out of 12-step programs forever, some, two things happen. I, I don't know which speaker, but something hard started to happen to those speakers. And then I was in this big book study that I didn't want to go to, and they read the appendix in the back. And I began to understand what was being asked of me in the spiritual experience, which was a personality change sufficient to bring recovery and a profound alteration in my reaction to life. My personality was fully geared for crime and using drugs and alcohol, right? And my reactions to life was fight it, fornicate it, or run from it, or drink or use over it, right? I mean, those were my tools for living, um, and uh, like I could wrap my head around that. I couldn't wrap my head around it before that because I was in and out of meetings all the time. And people will talk about God and spirituality. And I'm like, I'm out of here. Like, I can, I can hear you on drinking and I can hear you on drug use. What I, I, as soon as you start talking about God, I'm just like, no, nah, I'm, I'm done. Right. And, um, you know, with that, 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 that those one and a half pages in the back of the big book like, just made it where it was at least a possibility that it could happen. Mm. You know, because I can I can understand a personality change, and I can understand reacting to reacting differently to life. You know, and um, you know, I like I had a you know I had a, I don't know that I was the perfect client, but like I was I was a pretty good client, and you know I started to you know dabble in you know dealing with trauma, as you know childhood sexual trauma, and some military trauma and I, you know, I started to, you know, kind of open my eyes. Maybe we weren't nearly as, I mean, I almost hate this word, but trauma informed as we are, as we are today. Um, but, uh, but I began to dabble and to kind of, you know, talk about those things and um, you know, like it, I was like, okay, this is working. And I remember uh, my mom came up for family week and um, you know, my counselor's like, well, what are you doing after here, Craig? And I'm like, well, I'm going home. My mom says, you're not coming home. Uh,
0: I'm like, yeah.
1: All right, are you kidding me? Like, I'm 28 years old. I've been to war. I can go wherever I want. My mom's like, you're financially dependent on me. You're not coming home.
0: Uh, and
1: I was like, okay. Uh, and um, so I didn't like it. I didn't think it was a good idea. But I went to sober living. I didn't even know what sober living was. I mean, in 1998, like it was the wild west of sober living. I mean, they were, uh, they were around, but I'd never really seen or heard of them. Um, and uh <laughs> Like, I, uh, I remember being dropped off in St. Paul, Minnesota and looking down West 7th Avenue and I'm just like looking, I'm like, where am I? Um, and, uh, I met this guy, um, man, I haven't, I haven't thought about him in a long time. I think Paul took me to my first meeting on a treatment and he was one of my roommates. He's like, Hey, come on, let me take you to this meeting. And I was like, okay. And then after that, he took me to a movie, uh, and, uh, you know, ended up six months later. Like blowing his heart up with crack cocaine um, on a relapse, mm. and dying, and that, it was the first funeral I'd been to in recovery, and I remember seeing his kids, uh, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Um, but you know, like, so I went to sober living, and I sat on the curb of AA. Uh, I chaired a lot of meetings. Uh, I pontificated about steps that I never worked, um, and back then we could smoke in meetings, so I just fucking chain smoked cigarettes in meetings, and uh, you know, uh, and then at some point. One of, my, one of my housemates was like, I was, oh, here's what I said. I knew a relapse was coming. Like I act, you know, we act like we're surprised by it. Like I knew the dark cloud was coming. Like yeah. I've never been surprised by a relapse. I mean, please, like, you right. know, I could t- it was just a matter of when, you know, it wasn't it wasn't if. Uh, and like, I knew the dark cloud was coming and I, you know, and for whatever reason, I told one of my roommates and he was like, uh, well, maybe you should get a sponsor, moron. Uh, and I was like, oh yeah.
0: And oh, yeah, the, the basic thing that they tell me to do. Maybe I'll try that. Right.
1: And you know, again, one of those natural moments, this guy, this guy in my house, his name is Chuck, and uh, Chuck's sponsor is this guy named Andrew, and um uh, he, he was a chef, and so I thought, you know, all right, I'll ask this guy. So he's like, Yeah, uh, be at Starbucks at four o'clock. And I was like, Okay, fine. So I I showed, I showed up at Starbucks, and you know, this is where for me, like this is where like recovery meets the road, and this is where real change happens. And this is why, like I believe in, like thank God for sober living because it kept me sober enough to get to this point of willingness. Because I wasn't hundred percent willing right away. It's not like I rolled into treatment. And I was like, all right, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Absolutely not. Um, you know, like I, I tiptoed around this, and um, you know, I got to Starbucks and I pulled out, you know, metaphorically, I pulled out my flight log from treatment, and I'm like, hey, I'm on, a, I'm on on step six. Um, and he laughed at me and he said, Look, we're gonna start at the beginning of the big book. When it says do a step, we're gonna do a step. Uh, I want you to go to four meetings a week and uh I want you to come to my home group and I want you to get a job in my home group. And I was like, Whoa. Uh this seems a little extreme, right? And I just remember like I remember this voice in my head just going, Look, do what this guy says for a year. And if at the end of a year it sucks, go do it your way. Uh, because again like I've got this shitty job at a grocery store and I'm living in a sober house with a bunch of fucking goofballs eating a pint of a pint of Ben and Jerry's every night. And, uh, you know, I'm just like, like something's got to change here. So I said, okay. And I started going to this meeting, you know, summit Hill AA, um, at house of hope church Monday nights at six o'clock, you get extra credit during football season because it interferes with Monday night football. And, um, (laughs) uh, and, like, you know, I, like, look, the, the girls were great. And it was, it was like 200 and something people. And uh, it, was, it was fun. And, you know, my sponsor's like, hey, we got a business meeting tonight. And I'm like, what's that? And he goes, well, come. And, um, uh, and look, hell hath no fury like me uninvolved. And I am the master of being uninvolved and being critical. Right. Uh, and, you know, really, I'm just like, I'm a sideliner. I'm a taker. Like, I want to sit there and I just want to absorb. I don't want to actually participate and i'm sitting in the business meeting staring at the ceiling or whatever and uh and we had 12 greeters at this meeting um six inside six outside and they're like all right we need new greeters outside and it's heading into winter uh, in minnesota and um my sponsor's like yeah right here craig will do it and i'm like what and i'm like you like you asshole and, and here's the magic of what happened um i showed up early to do my to do my commitment And people started to get to know me and that freaked me out because they knew my name and they started hugging me and they started inviting me to things. I was like, no, I can't. And I was like, okay, I can. And like, you know what I mean? Like, like just that incremental, just kind of just like growth process that was, uh, that was, you know, like, you know, I wish I could say like, I jumped in and it was just, you know, no, like I, you know, uh, like I didn't even want friends that like, I'm just like, I don't even want these friends, you know? And these two guys, Andrew W. and Mike A., uh, who you know I love to this day, and we're still friends. Um, you know, they're like 18 months more sober than me, and they pulled me along. They said, "Hey, it's cute that you're hanging out with your friends from treatment, but come on, let me, let's show you. We're gonna show you a different world." And really, my life took off from there. You know, um, and I gotta say, uh, look, like that's the like getting sober part. You know, like I moved out of the sober house, I've got a dog, and lived with roommates, and lived with girls. Like, you know, like all that stuff was happening. And I, I got this job at detox in um, St. Paul, Minnesota. And it was like, uh, I mean, it's like the front line of alcoholism and addiction. Um, and so you get locked up in this detox. It's like jail, except they don't have to pay the legal fees and tie you up in the, in the court system. So, that, so like we worked for the sheriff's office, but we were a detox. And once you were in, no matter what, you were in there for at least 24 to 72 hours. And their one of their favorite games was to pull businessmen off airplanes who are drinking and being an assholes, and put them in detox that so they couldn't get out with only oh, like that's these homeless. The great homeless equalizer, animals, yeah. You know, right, and so it, I mean, it was like full on, like like um, like seclusion chairs and in seclusion rooms. I mean, like like it's, like, oh, it's full. And I, and I went three to eleven combat shifts, and the cops did not like bringing drunks in. So as soon as they put them in the elevator. They face plant them in the corner. They pull them out and push them to you. And by the time they get to you, they're like, all right, I'm going to fight you. And so, you know, it was just like this really intense experience. And that's really where I learned that, hey, like I can actually, like I have the patience and the love and the compassion to work with an alcoholics. Um, and like, all right, this is my job. Right? And I was just doing that. For, I did it for two years, two months, and two weeks. Not that I was accounting, but uh, just how it worked <laughs> out. And, um, and I remember my friend Andrew pulled me aside and he was like, um... Are you gonna mop up piss and, and clean up drunks the rest of your life? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I got a good county job. I got benefits. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's like, yeah. Don't you think there's more? And, and 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 see, and this is what I think is the missing component for so many people's recovery is they 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 like that growth part. Like I gotta like I gotta grow where I'm gonna go. You know? Yeah. What I, mean? I mean, if I'm not yeah. pushing, it's like you. It's like you going to school, and it's like you doing art, and it's like you've got a hundred. You know, you've got a hundred things going on. If you could imagine if you had none of those things like at some point we start going backwards you oh know what yeah I mean? it's just like quickly yeah. and quickly uh, yeah uh and so i was like what do you mean like like well don't you think maybe you should go back to school and i was like "Huh." and um you know i went back to school and when i was in school uh i had a professor that believed in me and she was like look i'll get you out of school a year early and now I'm going to get you into grad school. And, you know, I got into grad school, um, and I remember my stepdad. I called my mom, and I was like, "Hey, I'm going to go to grad school," and she's like, "I'm not paying for it." And you uh, know, uh, I was really lucky. My stepdad said, "Look, I'm really proud of you. Like, you know, what he's probably relieved really does is didn't have to, you know, sedate my mom every night or whatever, right?" Uh, right. Uh, and, right. And he's like, "Look, I'm, I'm going to help you with. Uh, I'm going to help you in grad school." And uh, you know, I'm really lucky in that in that way. Um, and you know, like, um. You know, it's been, I don't. I don't know what you want me to talk about from from because there's a lot of stuff after that. And oh, I, I know. And we,
0: we, yeah. yeah, we we won't have time for that. We'll probably even have to do a a, a second part. Um, that does bring us up to I, I guess um a, a question I shop around, and I'll ask you is how how do you currently relate with God on a daily basis what's what's your and it can literally it doesn't have to be last week I mean literally like currently how would you like what do you imagine what do you conceive how how do you interact with whatever this God thing is and then part two I guess if If you wanted to, if you were speaking to someone that doesn't know what they should do and feel stuck, what would you tell them?
1: The God question is always a fascinating one with me, as you as you well know with me. And, um, you know, I mean, um, you know, it's just, you know, part of my story is, um, you know, I forget what the term is: ritualistic, religious, sexual abuse, whatever you want to call it. Um, And so, like my connection with uh, religion and God and trauma is just really, really prevalent. And um, so, I've always really struggled with uh, it's it's the thing that kept me that kept me drunk and high for a long time because I'd come into meetings and I hear people talk about God and I don't want anything to do with you or this. Um, And I would say that. Today, uh, and, and this kind of leads to, I think, people who are stuck around 12-step recovery. Like, you know, th- there's that, lo- there's that, that line in, in, in the big book that actually saved my life is a belief in or a willingness to believe in. And for me, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm willing to believe in the possibility of possibility. Um, and uh, for me, being at neutral with God and religion is a good place for me. Because either I, I used to plan the bombing of the Vatican, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, uh, and, then and now I'm at neutral with it. like, you know what I mean? i not rainbows and unicorns. Uh, and I believe in the possibility of possibilities. However, I will take this one step further. Uh, for me, like the most tangible thing that I can put around higher power, God, whatever is out there, really is about karma. Um, you know, what I put into the world, so I get back. And I have proven that time and time again. Um, you know, I've I've had an amazing life and I've done some great things and I've had I've done some really shitty things where karma has come back to bit me and bite me in the ass. And um, you know, and so like I I definitely relate like on that level, you know what I mean? Where um, you know, where I think that the universe is interconnected, where where I feel like I'm I'm a part of and when I'm doing what I'm supposed to do in that world, good things happen. Um, you know, I've uh you know, obviously the God thing is a, um, you know, it's a tough one for me. Um, and uh, I get, it, it, you know what, it's not even the God thing I have a problem with. It's religion more than I have a problem with. It's the that's, dogma that's and the theology what it, that's, and the structure the That's what and it feels hierarchy. like. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, for sure. Uh, so, uh, so it's those things that I'll, that I'll argue all day about. Um, and then, um, you know, for people who are stuck, you know, again, this has just been the deadliest I mean, I've been sober, you know, a minute, and this has been the deadliest 18 months I've ever experienced. Um, And By I'm really far. tired of people dying. Yeah. It, like, I'm tired of people dying. Um, Yeah. I'm really tired of people dying. It, it, you know, and I'm almost numb to it. I got to be honest with you. Like, I've, you know, it's to the point. I mean, I've been doing this for a living for, what, 21, 22 years, you know, in the substance abuse field for that long. And, I've, you know, like, there's been a lot of death. And um, there's also a lot of great success, too. But uh, I'm almost numb to it right now, and uh, I'm very uncompassionate. Uh, I can be very uncompassionate around grief, um, but uh, I think that um, you know, th- if ever there was a time, it's a great time to be sober. If ever there was, yeah. If there's ever, if there's ever a time in history in our lifetime where it's time to put the nose in the grindstone and try and reach out for help, it is now. Um, yeah. Because because no one's safe. I like I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, people that shouldn't be dying are dying. You know what I mean? Like. um, uh, and, uh, and, and no, and, and no one's exempt. I mean, it's not like the street level addicts either. That I mean, they're dying too, but, uh, in the crazy part, no one's talking about it. Like that's, uh, that's, that's the sad part. And so if you're stuck, it's a good time to be, it's a good time to get sober and to find a way. Um, and I didn't like it and I didn't think it was a good idea and motive doesn't count. Just start doing the actions and you will get some results. I you like know.
0: it. I like it. That's a good summation. Well, Craig, thanks for coming on, bud, and telling your story, man.
1: That was good. Yeah. I learned some things. Well, yeah, and hold on. Like, you need to have me on one time where we can, like, debate subjects. Because, like, your divorce one was great. I love how you likened divorce to uh, watching uh, 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 reality TV shows on Serial Killer. That was priceless. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I would love to debate those things. because... So we can do our funny stuff as well as our serious stuff. So, yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. I just wanted to get the intro episode out of the way for sure. Um, so
1: send me an and, email. Oh, go ahead. No, look, and I'm happy to do part two of imploding my own life where, you know, like not being vigilant, like I'm, we just didn't get to it. But like, yeah, um, I'm yeah. definitely. And that's the. I'm happy um, to talk about what it's like being in sobriety and being a dipshit. Well, so. yeah,
0: yeah. That was the other place we related on, but. Send me an email, churchandotherdrugs at gmail.com, patreon.com slash churchandotherdrugs, and storefrontier.com slash churchandotherdrugs. We will see y'all next time.